do 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 switch mania playcast welcome to episode 28 of the switch mania playcast this is the best game of the year award show kind of episode you could listen to for only 9.99 no, you don't have to pay for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Late yeah. April Fool's joke. No, it is free, and we are happy to have you here listening to us. Yeah, so we're going to cover not only, like, the best of the year, but also, like, what we feel is underrated. Um, as we alluded to last episode, Barry probably has some off-the-wall choices, and I pick obscure stuff. So even our best games of the year will probably be something you may not have played yet, which will be awesome. That's the best part. I think I think that's the best part of any type of award um, thing. You know, like I saw this morning, um, IGN posted. You know, like their game of the year is is Control, and I saw in the comments a lot of people like, "Well, how is a game I never heard of game of the year? Or yeah. Are you stupid? Resident Evil Two is better." Blah blah blah. And I think I think the the important thing to take away from all this is everybody has opinions. Everybody has their own likes and dislikes. <laughs> and like some people were saying, like Resident Evil Two, like I hate horror games. I'm not a horror fan. I'm not a horror movie fan. Really? Resident Evil 2 has no... It looks good, but it have, I have zero interest in ever playing it. It will never be my game of the year. And that's not to say it's not a bad game. It's just not my kind of game. Whereas one of my favorite games of all time is Final Fantasy 6 on the Super Nintendo. And if you hate JRPGs and say JRPGs are my least favorite type of thing, um, then it will never be your game of the year. Um, and that's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. So so yeah, if I, one of I our choices... I 100% love horror games. I love Resident Evil 2, but I also love Final Fantasy 3, aka 6. You know what I mean? Because I grew up with it on Super <laughs> Nintendo. So We'll see. And that's it. Everyone has different tastes. Yeah. So if one of our choices tonight pisses you off or says, oh, how could that beat out this thing? Remember, these are our choices. These are our personal choices. And we may not even agree on each other's thing. Oh, uh, we, I don't know. Not. I don't know what. I don't know what, what, what Jeffrey has picked. He doesn't know what I picked. So nope. we're going into this completely blind. Um, but just, just appreciate and, and, and understand that these are our personal choices. And we would love to hear your feedback and your personal choices as well. Exactly. And so, um, interestingly, we were, we were chatting about a little, um, little J Pizzle, little JP <laughs> Switch Mania. Um, and it actually, uh, Barry doesn't know this. I don't know if you know this, Barry, but it goes back to an episode that we recorded, like JP and I recorded early on in the, uh, the year about him switching, uh, pun intended, the, the way he collects. That so, was after a conversation I had with him, among other people, I'm sure. Yeah, and and basically, you know, JP went into it, wanted to collect everything ever released for the mm. Switch, and went crazy, <laughs> and then started paring things down, um, getting rid of collector's editions. Well, Barry, what did you just tell me that JP's looking for right now? Which I saw a post, but I didn't, I didn't pry. <laughs> yeah, he he he's uh, looking for the uh, Octopath Wayfarer's edition now. After he sold it. And I told him, I said, look, I got a copy, brand new. I said, it's yours at a fair price. Just make me a fair offer. Yeah. And uh, I'm still waiting to hear from him. He wanted a trade, but he has nothing I need. Um, and I, the offer's still on the table to him. So if you're listening, JP, I, you know, it's the offer's still there. But I, I like to give fair offers to friends. And So, you know, so where I like to lear- take uh, JP's experiences as a learning experience for all collectors, though, is that yes. a lot of you out there have been slowly getting 
disillusioned by the immensity. That's a fucking made up word, by the way, and I can curse if I need to. Um, <laughs> um, by the enormous amount of games that are released for the oh, Switch. Um, yes. So the thing is, is what JP's going through is what some of you will go through or may go through. Maybe not will, but the regret of something that you own that you really like. That Wayfarer's Edition. It's something I actually haven't gotten yet. Um, yeah, I said yet, uh, but it's it's amazing with Octopath Traveler, a classic JRPG by Square, and it's a big diorama, and it's amazing looking. And so JP's like, man, I really wish I still have that. And you know, he got rid of it at, at a fair price, just like you said, you would give him a fair price. Um, yep. So the thing is, is that if you need to get out of it for like financial reasons or something like i mean absolutely you're going to have to do what you have to do and then you can do the hunt later which is also fun but if you're just getting out of it because it's too much like hold on to some of those items that you really cherish the ones that are what make you a gamer so if you're a big final fantasy 6 fan um you know, make sure that you hold on to those type of games that are in that genre, those type of collector editions that are in that genre that might pique your interest. And then, you know, you could always wait six months, and if you're still like, meh, you can you can then pare it down. I mean, but if there's, yeah. like, a, a, another reason behind it, though, completely get that. See, I get that. And, like, even the Wayfarer's edition, like, I actually had two of them. Um, I bought two... Uh, on accident, I realized I pre-ordered one like Amazon, one Best Buy, oh, nice. and and I also got a standard edition um, because with you know it's made by the same team that did Bravely Default, and my wife yep. and I both really enjoyed those games. We got Love you know them. two versions of those games as well to both play. So I figured, all right, well I'm gonna have a collector's edition. I'm gonna open and play with that, and then you know have a standard edition so she could play. And she wasn't ready to play yet, so I just opened the standard edition. I said, why not? And uh, then she never got around no time for her either, and uh, now I'm like, okay, I sold one of them at a, a video game con, and I'm like, oh, I'm still sitting on this other one, and and sh- by the time she wants to play it now, she could just play my copy that I opened. I'm, I'm already done with the game, <clears throat> so you know it happens. And so let's let's put JP on notice. JP, <laughs> shit or get off the pot. I'm gonna buy it if you do. <laughs> well, see, and you know what? And that's fine. Um, uh, but for me, is, for me, though, I don't need anything fast. So like, I'm yeah. fine waiting a few years. Like, but, I'm okay. <laughs> see, for me, it's about space, and exactly. that's where you know when I was talking with JP about paring down the collection, the number one reason I said to him that I am paring it down is because of space. Collector's editions take up room. 100% the bigger right. collections take up way more room. <clears throat> I think I mentioned this last podcast, or it might have been right after we recorded, about signature edition games and how I stopped after Moonlighter because they just became so big in the box. I'm like, too big. Yeah. Um, and will I regret <clears throat> down the road, hey, you know what? I really wish I... There's always a possibility. Well, and, always and, a possibility. The th- and the thing is, Barry, you may regret something that you're not anticipating right now. Yep. And when you pare down so many games and you and you sell or contribute to other <laughs> people's collections if you're doing it at price, because you're not really reselling. You're really just, you know, if you're selling at a fair price, that's yeah. contributing to somebody else's collection. But if you're doing 100%. that, number one, you're helping somebody else out. And then number two, you don't <clears throat> know what it is. So, I mean, and you'll just get the one or two two items that you really wish that you didn't and then you also did a good thing for the community well see i have a, I have a buddy that's not too far from me he's a big collector and he, i introduced him to 
a lot of collector's editions that he didn't know existed. Nice. And a lot of websites that sold games he didn't know existed. So you're he's that jerk, huh? <clears throat> he's big into Switch, <laughs> and he's been getting things in limited run, signature editions, special reserve, stuff like that. And I told him, like, I, I have all these backlog. I need to move it. And and it's pretty much a slow burn with him. He's like tells me, like, these are the big ones I want, and I put them on hold. I'm like, you have to give me the money now, and I give him a, I give him a very fair price. I give him, like, blow eBay, and then I tally it up, and I still – uh, lower it even more for him. And like the next thing he's buying for me, I don't know if you saw those big Jack and Dexter collector's editions from Limited Run, the PS4 ones. Yep. <clears throat> they look like books. I have them all, uh, including Jack X coming. And he, he didn't know about it until Jack X. I'm like, well, if you're you know buying one, two, and three now is super expensive. I love the looks of those. I think those are great. But they're Amazing. big. They're big. I don't have a bookshelf for them. They're going to sit in a box. They're not going to be enjoyed. And I said, you know what, you know, when the fourth one comes, I'll give you a deal on all four. You could have it all, you know, and you, you don't have to worry about condition. They're, they're brand new. He's like, yeah. oh, my God, you're serious? I said, yeah, because you're going to enjoy them. And that's how I feel. You know, I hate, I hate, hate, hate selling anything of my collection to somebody who will immediately grab it, turn around, raise the price and sell it off. Like, to me, that's just like, what's scummy. really, I gave you a, a price. Scummy. It is. I gave you a price to, to help you out because I, as a collector, not. You know, if you want to make five, ten bucks off of me, do it another way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of got the because I was um selling some AES Neo Geo AES games at Classic Game Fest, and I mean there were doubles that I had, and because I have a full collection, and I have a feeling that one of the guys went and was like reselling it on his <laughs> table under the under like the on the side to try to double the prices because i was giving them all like 25 percent under ebay or or further <clears throat> under ebay prices like games for 80 bucks they're going for like two three hundred like way lower and wow, people yeah. were freaking out and um the thing is though is that then my buddy eli who runs pico interactive came by and he's like man i would have bought them all and if i would have known that he was interested in neo geo and and he was going to the convention because i didn't know he was going to the convention but if i would have known i would have set him aside for him because uh, I know he wasn't going to resell them. He collects like as hardcore as anybody. So, I mean, it's a give or take. And, and again, though, if somebody buys something, we can't control what they do. It's just, just it's kind of scummy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had um, at a video game con, actually, I had a uh, – forget exactly what it was. It was, a, it was a GameCube. I think it was a GameCube Pokemon game, maybe Pokemon Coliseum or something. And so I had like 30 bucks on it or whatever, whatever game it was. It, it was worth about 45 50 uh, I had 30 bucks. I felt that was fair. Guy came over and said, would you do 20 on it? And I'm like, really? Come on. I'm, I'm 25. I'll meet you in the middle. And he looks at it and he's like, no, whatever. And apparently he turned around and made a comment under his breath. <clears throat> Maybe I should get it. I could sell that at my store for 50. Well, he, the person who heard that comment was another vendor yeah. who immediately said, oh, you, you said you'd do 25 in this. And... <clears throat> He overheard it, so I'm like, you know what? If I say no now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jerk. Yeah, I'll do 25. So he, so he bought it for 25. Turns out he was the vendor that was right next to me. He literally walked right next door and put it on his table for, for 45 or whatever. I'm like, are you kidding me? Scumbag. <laughs> like, I mean, wow. It was the classic where um we went to a flea market in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when I used to live in Miami. It's called the Swap Shop. It's like a two to three mile flea market. And we went there with a bunch of just, you know, it was a flea market, so it was a bunch of, like, garage sale stuff. 
And before we get set up, all the sellers, because it's a year, it's a week long thing. Mm-hmm. But we went on the weekend because, you know, I worked during the week. And they came and all the other sellers bombarded our our um, table and our stuff and just like bought all the decent items immediately before the thing even opened. And so like we had some like one of my buddies got out of the military and he had some uniforms and he sold them for like 10 bucks a piece or something. And then we walked around later and they were like there for $20 a piece at their their booths like all over the place. This His uniforms for sure. Like, and it was just like, that's a classic reseller move though. Um, and so the thing is, is as long as you're comfortable selling the item for that price, it's all right if they want to do that. However, yeah. comma... <clears throat> You know, there is a th- such thing as karma, and I like to help out people. I know you like to help out people, obviously. Um, yeah. So the thing is, though, is that, like, you know, you can't you can't control what other people do, nope. but you can sure as hell judge. <laughs> we, had, we had one. I, I had an NES. <clears throat> I picked it up at a yard sale a long time ago. Uh, I needed repair, so my, my wife and I repaired it, and I had some you know, common games. And I put it up there and said, well, what are they going for? NES were going for, at the time, they were going for over 100, uh, especially with games. Um, and this was like a new, you know, 72 pin. So I put it up with the games. I was like, you know, 65 bucks. Like I, a local, like just local, you know, Facebook. I figured that was a fair price uh, and, and hoping it goes to somebody who's going to enjoy it. So I took a picture uh, on our kitchen table and my wife listed it and she got contacted by a woman who was like oh you know i, I grew up with the nes and i want to show my son and i want him you know show him the games i grew up with and i think it's going to be a great experience and i heard that i'm like that's fantastic i love spreading the joy of gaming to everybody i think that's Absolutely. fantastic so i was like yeah you know and i and i met them out in the porch and i'm like here you go you're gonna love it i'm so happy for you you know you're you're in for a treat and they shook my hand thank you so much within that night that woman listed the NES for over a hundred bucks using the exact same picture with our, <laughs> our kitchen table and everything. I'm like, are you kidding me, people? Dirty. Like this is this is ridiculous. Like, and that's what it's like, unfortunately, in my area. It's very cutthroat. Um, there's a lot of resellers and there's a lot of collectors and there's just there's a lot of people looking for a quick buck, and and it's just like, come on, like. I, I don't take advantage. <laughs> like, don't you know? If someone doesn't know what they have, you know, and they just want a dollar for a game, like it's gonna happen. You're gonna get lucky here and there. But when you just turn around and you don't even take a new picture, I mean, that's and the, just the sleep. story, though. And the, and fake of the fake the story and everything. Like, don't don't fake a story. I'm a I'm a sucker yeah. for stories. I love stories. Um, I think that's probably one of my favorite things about collecting is knowing the stories behind not only the games and the development, but the people who owned them. So this was my chat. Like if I went to a flea market and I'd be like, "Oh, that was my son's favorite game," and it, you know, it was a game, common game even. And I bought that game. I would take it home and I would replace mine with it because it was their special game, and I want that story now in my collection. Yeah, I mean, and the, the thing is, the story those dirty and so um, yep. you mentioned size of the uh, the collector's editions, and I actually um. With the Switch Collector book, I finished writing some of the odds and ends paragraphs I needed. Like, I needed uh, another page on Breath of the Wild for the DLC sections and stuff. Um, I was making a comment. I don't know how accurate this is, but it's it's just a, one of my assessments that the um, Mario Rabbids Collector's Edition, mm-hmm. combined with the other items that they sold in tandem, might be one of the largest 
collector <coughs> pieces out there. Oh, you're talking about getting all four figures? Yeah, like there's multiple figures. They're all gigantic. Yeah. I was like, man, I made that quote like in my little paragraph write up because I I needed like one two more paragraphs. I think on Mario Rabbids, and I I, no, I noted that you know one came with the giant statue for collector's edition, and then there's like on the side you could buy. I know you could buy a Luigi and a Yoshi. Like they're freaking huge. Yep. <laughs> and they're the little ones too. They're the little figures, which at first I thought were amiibo. I'm like, oh, those are cool amiibo. I'll get them from my amiibo collection. Found out they weren't. I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. Especially they were like twenty bucks oh my. for just a little figure without uh without any amiibo functionality. I'm like, yeah, no, that's eighty bucks for the full set. So it's just like the space requirement <laughs> of that because I remember I think we were on another previous episode and I came across the limited edition for like ten bucks or something out um I in like. I want to say Dallas or Austin, like Texas, which is like three hours for me, three hour drive from where I'm currently located at. About to move after this podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> but um, <coughs> JP's like, oh my God, you should have got it. I'm like, I don't have room, man. That's what I told him. This was before he was paring down, too. I was like, I don't have room. I get it. It was like, you know, 25% of what it's going for on eBay or whatever. But I was like, I don't but care. Still- you also have to factor in three hour drive there, three hour back hour drive back. That's six hours of gas, six hours of time, six hours of wear and tear in your car. Yeah. Now, is that I mean, really we were, they were there like hanging out with family? Like we were just oh, doing okay. a family thing. So I was already there and I then just didn't cool. buy it. Because <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm okay because like I don't have the space for it because it was so freaking big. It is. I actually bought just the the soundtrack because I wanted the soundtrack because I, lo- I love the music. Okay. And I bought the soundtrack on eBay for like five bucks. I'm like, all right, I bought the game yeah. and then I got the soundtrack for five bucks. I don't need that big statue. I don't have the room for it. So that being said, like that story combined with the scummy reseller story is like you wonder why I'm going to do what I'm going to do when I do – I said do a lot uh, – <laughs> releases <laughs> – um, like when I'm re-releasing Jeffrey Whitnagan's Black Box Challenge for the NES, or if I do any kind of premium edition release, um, <laughs> I'm going to do like the the collector's thing in a limited amount to like people that I know, or you know, I'm gonna make it fair for everybody, but like, and and a certain time, but like, it's gonna be going like with the idea of going to passionate collectors. And, Absolutely. and I'm already working on the first version of stuff. Um, with the Black Box Challenge one, the Dirty Resellers, it's like people are buying the game and selling it for four or $500 online. Um, I did, I don't know if you know Mr. Wizard or Wizard Reproductions. Um, I did not know that. Jared, and he does a lot of Dreamcast aftermarket releases of conversions of games and stuff where he like did doom on the dreamcast with all the different wads or he's done splatterhouse trilogy on the dreamcast and he also did that news ghostbusters 2 nes cartridge with the slime inside that's like neon yeah so he did a 10 copies limited edition of jeffrey whitnagan's black box challenge and it's an rpg where you collect nintendo games and he hand cut a bunch of little mini nes cartridges and put it inside the clear cartridge that is awesome and it's amazing but like immediately some one of the one of the 10 people was selling it at portland retro gaming expo (laughs) 
And I only knew because Jared actually brought it up when he did an interview this year at Portland. I wasn't there, but he did an interview on the um, on a podcast that was live there. Um, some of my buddies with the Brews podcast. They're really cool guys. Like they do a bunch of drinking and do podcasting at conventions. But um, basically, he mentioned he's like, "Yeah, I know the worth of my stuff because I saw it selling for like four hundred dollars at Portland the, that year." <laughs> and I was like. Cool, but as an artist, as a person releasing stuff, if I'm going to release it in limited, I want people to get it that are going to enjoy it. Well, here's the, here's the, the thing with this, <clears throat> and it's a touchy subject. Yeah. Um, when you when you release something limited, like you mentioned, ten copies, ten copies. Um, yeah. The odds are that there's going to be more than ten people that will want this. Now, say the first ten people, they all want it. Now, person 11, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. I want one, too. And person 12, and word gets out. And now you, maybe and person, you don't have And person 100, one year <laughs> down the line, sees it. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you don't have hundreds of thousands of people. But say you have you know, a good chunk of people now suddenly, oh, I'd like a copy. I'd like a copy. And you're like, well, I'm not making anymore. Um, now those 10 people have something that other people want. And here's where business supply and demand, the economy comes in. One of those 10 people could say, you know what? I see there's a huge demand. I'm going to list it up on eBay for yeah. $700 and see what happens. Oh, look, it's sold because someone wanted it that badly. Cool. I just turned a profit. And once that happens and other people see that, they start to pay attention. Well, well, that one went for hundred, you know, several hundred dollars. The next one might as well, and that's exactly why limited run games got as big as it did. Is yeah. because you know when I bought Breach and Clear, I got it and it was up for days, and I, I only got it because I was like, all right, cool, you know, I'm, I'm going for a full Vita set, and then. When word spread and suddenly, oh, now I want it. I'd never heard of it before. And now the price went up. Suddenly everyone paid attention. Well, the next release is going to be like that. And the next release is going to be like that. And it, and it catches fire. Yep. And, and it is a dangerous thing. And, and f- the the whole market, the whole market is very hot right now when it comes to, to gaming. And, yeah, and sellers and resellers will see that and they will jump in. Some people will play buy a game, play it, and then sell it off if they don't like it or after they finish it. Other people will say, you know what, I'm going to buy two copies, one to play, one to keep sealed, or sell the sealed one uh, to recoup. You know, if I sell one for the price I paid for two, I get my game for free. And other people will just be like, look, if there's idiots that are going to spend $400 on this game that I can pay 30 bucks for, that's and, an easy so money now, thing. Granted, like, I've had people at conventions tell me, and they made it sound like it wasn't this limited edition. It was the normal CIB I released that's been selling for four or $500 as well. And to me, it's like that game is never intended to be limited. Um, and they want the CIB. They don't want the bare bones, label-less version that Infinite NES Lives was selling without my name on it that the developer decided oh, to release after I paid him. <laughs> like, crazy. That You talk about shady stuff. That's crazy stuff. But um, I want to put out you know a new version. But the thing is, is that I always raise the bar on myself with every release I do, whether that be a book or a game release. So, like... When I re-release Black Box Challenge, Jeffrey Whitnagan's Black Box Challenge, it's going to be with new art. Um, and the first art had the Garbage Pail Kids artist, so it's yeah. going to have to be new art. That's amazing. It's going to be with a strategy guide. Um, it's going to be with a Worlds of Power narrative fiction book that I'm writing. So it's going to be a whole like p- pocket guide wow, book. Wow, one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I already have it almost written. Like I, I wrote it like years ago when I played and I 100%ed the, the game when I first had it. I, I wrote out the narrative as I did it. Um, so I already have 
I have that somewhat written. Um, and then also, like, the CIB, of course, probably a little, like, poster, like, Nintendo Power Style, or maybe, like, the old-school Nintendo posters with, like, game releases on one side. Um, like, I'm gonna be doing, like, that, and then where things are gonna only, the only spot where things are gonna be limited is the stuff I'm going to do by hand. So there's wooden boxes that I've been doing, and I've been testing the waters, like, the Complete Virtual Boy, I have a wooden bookcase that I'm hand etching and inking um, and then staining and glossing, which takes like hours per one. And if I do more than 10, it's just like, it's going to take me half a damn year. So I'm going to probably do like a a few of those. (laughs) However, all the other items will be available. um, And so like push that forward to like, if I do something for the, the switch, I'm going to be involved with the developers. I'm not going to release a game. I'm not going to produce the game. However, comma, I will absolutely include the game. Does that make sense, Barry? Absolutely. 100% makes so, sense. So, for example, if I was, if I somehow got in with Nintendo and was going to do a premium edition of Luigi's Mansion 3, number one, I would do a strategy guide. Number two, I would do a narrative book. Because that's going to be a standard. And then I'm going to have that same box that I do for Black Box Challenge for the Switch. And it, and they're smaller. They're, they're compact size. Everything fits in the box. So it's not huge on the collection shelf. Um, but I would do the same thing. where And then I would buy the copies of Luigi's Mansion. There would be obviously a new slipcase. Or not slipcase, but a new sleeve that would be double, you know, double sided, um, that you could put into your current copy, like stuff like that to make it like premium. Because there's so many games out there. Heck, I would take on a lot of third party releases that are garbage on the inside of the when you open it up. There's so many games that we've seen recently. You open up, it's white on the inside or has a disclaimer. Ubisoft is terrible about that, and. Like I would absolutely do a premium edition of that on the inside. Go boom, 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 and one. It's going to be one hundred percent though with the developers. And if the developers have a wish list, like they've always wanted a, I don't know, a pin or something, I'd be all right. We're going to do a freaking pin with it because that's what the developer wants. Like, because I feel, at least for me, if I was releasing a game, and like for example, Cat Quest. That went to GameStop and has like nothing with it. It's just literally the case with a printed sleeve and then a cartridge. I then that's an indie developer, right? I would be like, man, I really want like an NES style instruction book, or I want all this extra stuff. So the one good thing about me doing the hand created stuff is that's not gonna everybody not everybody's gonna want that. So that'll make it not as addictive for people the world will be mad and that's the one thing i don't want i want this to be a cool thing i don't want people to be pissed and i'm also not doing limited editions or limited runs or any you know i mean i'm not doing games right yeah making stuff cooler making stuff premium making it taking it up and preserving it and doing right by the developers that's my thoughts and it's something nobody's doing (laughs) And what's important? And I'm a book writer, so and a, and a book publisher. So doing a premium strategy guide, which nobody's doing good strategy guides now. Um, 
I got a guy that's one of my signed authors, freaking 8-Bit Steve. He's 100% down to do a strategy guide for Black Box Challenge. And I'm assuming that any of the people I'm talking to for the premium editions for Switch stuff, he would be down to do some strategy guides. So I already, awesome. already got a guy doing strategy guides that is a speedrunner and knows how to write strategy guides. Um, yeah, and I already have two different developers I'm talking with about doing premium edition for the Switch. There's already two. <laughs> one of them's amazing. The other one is amazing. They're both amazing. <laughs> you you could have just led with they're both amazing. <laughs> and they're all amazing. Um, <laughs> I just want to say amazing a lot. Um, but the thing is, though, is that I can take with my motto or my version, I can take any developer from any system and make it work. I mean, with the box that I, because I've already, I already test bedded a lot of this stuff. Like, I created, when I did VGBS Season 1, we created wooden box for it. It fits the NES CIB perfectly. It fits a paperback book behind it or a Switch case perfectly behind it. And what I also tested is, is that, so so when I do Black Box Challenge, for example, um, Mr. Wizard does Dreamcast releases. So we're going to do a Dreamcast version <laughs> of Black Box Challenge. So it'd be playable. So, wow. Yeah. And it fits in the box. It all fits in this in the small form fitting box that's just a little bit bigger than an NES completing box. <laughs> You're gonna get me to buy that Dreamcast version as well, aren't you? <laughs> well, it's all gonna be part of the premium edition. And literally, like, I'm moving my whole the whole Hagen's Alley books and Hagen's Alley Entertainment to nonprofit. Because I'm literally I pour everything into it already. So I might as well just change it to a nonprofit. That way, everybody knows from the outside. Like, hey, I'm doing this because I love video games. <laughs> I ain't doing this to be to go crazy. Um, yeah. It's already incorporated and in everything. But um, yeah, and I have a new, I have a different name for what I'm gonna be doing. Um, I'll unveil that later once um, once everything gets going. Once I announce the first one, I don't really think though, Barry, I want to do any kind of crowdfunding. I think I'm just gonna do pre-orders like off of the website. Um, I, I've heard. Horror stories with some crowdfunding, and yeah. a lot of people wish they had just done what you said, pre-orders. Yeah, and I mean, for my books, I, I love it because it lets people know. I, it, I mean, the Kickstarter campaign itself, I can like explain a lot, and it gets a lot of traffic outside of everybody who normally follows me, and it's pretty cool because there's always people that go, oh, I didn't even know you did this, and it's like a million people have my book. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, cool. Um. So the more exposure with that, but when it comes to like doing a premium release and as long as I'm doing it right, like word will travel and for, at least for the the ones I'm doing, like it's all going to be personalized. Uh, for example, uh, with the Switch Collector doing the the treasure box, this the chest, right? The cartridge chest. Um, mm -hmm. I did three of them this last weekend where I did the hands, the, the, I did all the sanding by hand, the staining, the glossing of the red, and each one is a little bit different because it's wood, how the wood inherently sets in the stain. Um, and then what I'm going to do is my, my demo one that I did, which is on the Kickstarter, the black one, um, I used vinyl for the, the logo, but... I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a stencil made and I'm going to hand paint it all, the Nintendo Switch logos on each one. 
so that way yeah and it's i mean the red ones they all pop it's like super dark red just like it's the same red that i used for the virtual boy uh covers and i have it hand mixed over i go to like lowe's and i have them mix the colors so that way it like pops how i want it to and so that would be the thing too is when i do a premium edition for like a game release i got to use a color that pops with the art you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And I'm not Absolutely. saying that I would do the same color every time either. I don't know yet, but it's going to be the exact same boxes every time. So everything is dress right dress. It all looks perfect, like all the same. And it doesn't matter if I release a Genesis Premium Edition game because I know a lot of people that do aftermarket Genesis. I know people that do aftermarket TurboGrafx-16. Um, I would do a Premium Edition for any of those. They're I mean, all rabbit holes. <laughs> I mean, and that's just it. And, and literally, it's all going to be dependent on the game developer and working with them. So, like, with Jeffrey Wittenhagen's Black Box Challenge, that's my game. You know what I mean? So, I can release that one. Um, but, like, with other ones, like, I'm going to be working with whoever created the game. Like, my perfect, my favorite one is FX Unit Yuki. And... Like Jesse and and DJ Sarumaru, who's created the game, are like awesome dudes, and I have like every version of the game right now. But like they literally put it on Dreamcast, Genesis, Turbo Graphics. Um, they're gonna go as far as they can. But like if I did a premium edition of that, imagine that with like a because it's like an anime style story. So imagine that with a fiction Worlds of Power book and like all of the the uh, strategy guide. Like that would be a awesome release. I could already hear my bank account crying. <laughs> <laughs> but that's crazy, and I got off on a tangent, but that's fun. Um, but the thing is, that's like a, something that I've been wa- been wanting to do for a while. I've had lots of people wanting Black Box Challenge, so I've been figuring out how I'm going to do it. Because I don't just want to just throw out another print run of it. Because, number one, I did do the Black Box-looking version a limited and I'm not making more because that's, you know, the principal thing. Like it would be just like me reselling a game for $20 more. It's just scummy. So I'm not going to do that, but I, and I'm going to go so far as to doing a different box art, a different artwork because it'd be the way to go. I've <clears> talked <throat> with some legendary artists and it's way out of my price range, like way out of my price range. <laughs> like if I do pre-orders though, and, and people are down like i mean heck might be able to make it happen but um it's ridiculous how much (laughs) um so do you want to move to the crux of the episode now that we're 30 minutes in (laughs) yeah i'm I'm assuming that's why a lot of people are here for and they're like what is this talking about what's all this talk about crazy because and collectors editions (laughs) that being said not doing limited run limited releases of any switch games that's the one thing (laughs) cool stuff Cool stuff, you know. Think about like what like I am eight bits doing, but not with the uh, yeah. the crazy scummy garbage uh, re-releases of Super Nintendo and NES games. Because not doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, that, that was terrible. <laughs> horrible. Even though they're licensed, like nah, I don't like it. All right. So, so do you want you want to do the underrated first or the top first? Let's do the to top first because some of okay. some of our top might be the others underrated. Um, and I kind of am going in order, but it's kind of out of order. Uh, as we said last week, we're going to start with our favorite game first, so that way, and then we'll work our way down, right? Mm-hmm. So do you want to go, or do you want me to go? <clears throat> ah, it doesn't matter. You want me to start, or you start, you pick. 
Uh, we'll let you start with All your right. favorite game of 2019. All right, yeah. So I, I actually did mine in order. Nice. Um, which took me longer <clears throat> than I probably want to admit just because it's been such a good year. Yeah. And it's a better year than I realize. Oh, well, amazing as, year. As the, I was putting a list together. And there's some games that I was like, oh, that was released in this year. Yep. Like, there was a couple of those <clears throat> that actually made my list that I was like, oh, I forgot that that was released. Holy crap. <laughs> so, uh... So started off my my favorite um, this year, yep. Which was really close between one and two, but number one took it. Is uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age? Amazing. This is this is a I love the Dragon Quest ever since the original on the NES as Dragon Warrior. It's been one of my favorite RPG franchises, and it came out on PS4. And then I got the collector's edition, the whole nine yards, and I just. <clears throat> I didn't play it, didn't have time, and then the Switch version was showing off with all these extras. I'm like, oh, that's the version. Then the orchestral music. Love it. And I played the demo, because right now, if you're interested in this game, there's a demo. Play the demo. Ten hour hours. demo. Ten hour yeah. demo for me. Well, but the demo data carries over. Yes. So you can really get a good chunk in this game and see if it's your type of thing. But I can tell you, this game it just gets better and better as it goes on. And it does it does a lot of things that I love about JRPGs that haven't been done since a lot of the older uh, games. Uh, specifically, even we mentioned earlier, Final Fantasy VI. It does something Final Fantasy VI does, but then it goes another step beyond that. Like this game, this game has a post game that is it feels almost as big as like the regular game. Man. Like, you beat the game, you get the credits, you're like, I'm done. No, you are not. <laughs> there is more to this game. Oh. Um, that's not to say it's perfect. There is one one negative that I felt, and that is your character, the hero, is, as a kid, like in flashbacks, has a voice. As an adult, he's silent, which would be fine, but he also shows, like, no emotion. Yeah, it is. Like, it's, like, blind staring. Yeah, it's blind staring, and, like, people are, like, crying, or they're happy and he's just kind of like yeah whatever like i have no emotion and i thought that was the only thing that kind of took me out a little bit of it but that's that's not enough to knock it really um it's just so good and when you get that final credits the final credits when you've truly beaten the game i was crying it was so beautiful and it ends so well and yeah just that's my pick Nice. And and honestly, I'm not super surprised you being a JRPG fan that you picked it. Um, it is in my honorable mentions. Um, just one that just didn't make my top five. Just because, like, remember, I had the bet with my wife that if I beat the demo, that I could buy the game. And so then after that, I actually haven't put in more than another, like, maybe 20 hours total. And so I'm not super far in the game still. It's a huge no. game. It's amazing. Um, it's I've, three full acts, um, with yeah. the third act being a post-game act. That's <clears throat> amazing. And the thing is, though, you talking about it makes me want to go back and, and start playing it again. It's so and good. It's it's so fun, and it's not super grindy, which I've enjoyed. Like I, no. I, I want to grind in my RPGs, and like I did during the demo, and I like yep. don't need to. And... Like, just the, the different characters, getting to know him, like Rolando, I think that's his name, right? Or am I wrong? The Jester. Oh, the Jester, yeah. That's, uh, oh, God, why can't I can't I think, think of it? it. I think of Rolando, I'm like, wait, no, that's a Street Fighter no, fighter. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Street Fighter character. Um, Street Fighter Alpha. But, uh, 
Yeah, but anyways, that character, the Jester, he was so weird and then became like one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, just because he, he's so crazy. He is crazy, but what's interesting is um, like as you go through the game, yeah, he gets better. Like, yeah. like you, you, at first you read him and he's like, oh, this is kind of Silvando. Silvando, um, yeah, Rolando, uh, Silvando. As, as you go through it, you're like, oh, he's kind of crazy and all this, and he's kind of weird and out there. Yeah. And then you start to see more of him as it transitions into the second act, and you see why he is the way he is, and and he, he's got he's got a kind of a tragic backstory in a sense. He's got you know family disputes, and yeah. and there's a lot that comes around with him. And then that transfers also into the third act, and he really he he steals the show. He's my wife's favorite character too. And it's like the the writing is so on point when it comes to getting you vested in everything that the game has to offer. Um, my thing was it was just like I was just pl- I would play it, pick it up, play it for like a couple hours, <laughs> and feel like I didn't get anywhere because it's so <laughs> large. And that's where, like, and and of course, doing the Switch Mania playcast, I'm like, well, I got to play the game of the the week. Yep. Um. So then I would just get away from it, and I don't have a ton of hours to put into games every every week either because of family, you know, family things, and always doing stuff with work, and so it's one of those things where it's like, man, I want to get back to Dragon Quest Eleven. I might have to during the the holiday break that we're about to take. You should. Yeah. The only thing is, though, is that I've also uh, finally dove back into my save file for Breath of the Wild last night. Yes. You saw the picture. (laughs) So, like, I looked at my save file. I hadn't played Breath of the Wild since February. Wow. And I was right there at the pre-sand camel... Um, Camel Dungeon quest, so I had to go find the Thunder Helm, and I had to go fight the Yiga clan, and it was such a good little story, too, with Breath of the Wild. And it's the same thing with, you know, Dragon <clears throat> Quest Eleven. Every time you play it, it does, like, an anime-style recap of where you were, and it gets you right back into the story. And it's the same deal as, like, the build-up is, is great. Um, now, with Breath of the Wild, like, I'm kind of off the dungeon a little bit. Like, the dungeon's a little bland, and I'm hoping that Breath of the Wild 2 actually gives us some real real dungeons. I don't know. <laughs> um, so let's go over to uh, to my favorite game of the year. Um, Barry probably has no clue what I'm going to pick. Um, so my game of the year in 2019 so far, uh, Time Spinner. I don't know if you actually figured that was it based on your post. <laughs> yeah. So Time Spinner um, was just released physically for the Switch, but it's been out for a little bit. Um, it was a Kickstarter uh, that was fully funded, and it is basically as close as a spiritual successor to Castlevania Symphony of the Night as you could get without taking the characters and doing its own lore. Um, however, where I love what I love with Time Spinner is that you get these orbs, and these different orbs you can level up individually. So you get a fire orb or an ice orb, or my favorite's like this iron orb that does a giant hammer, and then there's another orb that does this, shoots lightning, but it goes like three quarters across the screen. It's like a lightning bolt, but it also takes away your magic. 
Um, you do a charge, and you do a charge that can do like a giant version of these, but you can mix and match everything. So you could have a fire and an ice orb, and you could sit there and alternate what you're hitting. Or what I do, and you can do three different builds for your orbs, and then you press the R2, L2 triggers, and you can switch between them. So I have like an iron orb where I can do massive damage to enemies that are close, and then I can press R2 and do these the magic orbs, the the lightning burst orbs that I can attack enemies from afar. So as I'm running through corridors, I can sit there and and kill enemies without having to get near them. And if I run out of magic, I just switch over back to the iron orb. And then I use my third one as like a experimental like build where I'll just pick different cool things. Like there's there's this one that's like an eye orb and you shoot it and it does like these star spinning things and it's like really brutal. Um, and then you can mix and match the magic. So you have this one where you shoot like a um like where you hold down the A button and it does a massive attack. But then there's another where it's like a ring with a passive ability. So like one of the passive abilities is your orbs. It's like a scythe ring. And the orbs have scythes that damage enemies. That spin, And the orbs spin around you in real time while you're running through the game. Um, so the scythe will, will do some damage to the enemy. So if they get in close, you're not only hitting them with your attacks, but you're also hitting them with the orbs. And then there's like another another passive ability that would be like a rock one where it like protects you, one that shows where secrets are, and there's tons of hidden pathways and secrets just like in Symphony of the Night or Metro Super Metroid. Um, it's really crazy. The story there's time travels, time spinner, so you can travel between the past, the present, and then the uh, the very far past. Um, there's multiple endings that all progressively unlock as you play, so you don't have to like replay the entire game to get the best ending. Like you can get one ending and then go back in another ending, go back and then get the perfect ending. Um, the game's pretty short, about seven, eight hours maybe, um, if you want to do everything. Uh, I think I have 98 or 99% map uncovering right now, the entire game. So pretty freaking ridiculous there's also familiars that you have so for example you get this little like when you die the first time you get a little dinosaur or that dinosaur but like a dragon style familiar that follow you around and help you um the one yeah and the one i would use is this fairy one because the fairy one every once in a while heals you so you only get healed with consumable items um or and you find items too you find them or you can buy them or um, when you get to a save point. So you, if you're far away from a save point um, and you are how low or you want to conserve your consumables for the boss fights, uh, you basically have to, like using that familiar was like essential just to like continually yeah. gain a little bit of life. And like to me, it just hit that perfect stride of, you know, the quote unquote Metroidvania. Um but like it hit that good stride. It looks like a, you know, a 2D pixelated PlayStation Sega Saturn era game. It was a little bit better than 16-bit. A little, it's like 32-bit-ish, but with all the bells and whistles that you want from a modern indie-style game. Um, I love that we got an actual legit release of the game. Um, 
it's like you know because i i think it was limited run that did the release limited run and it's yeah. your best buy as well you can get different cover and it's so good and i might buy the the actual best buy to get the variant for that one just because <laughs> I, I i love the game so much i i have it i haven't played it but you know like you you said with mine you you, you know i might be <laughs> maybe picking it up and playing it uh, after so hearing good. that glowing recommendation <laughs> so good man and it's not a huge time sink which was surprising because as soon as because you know what i do right when i get a new game i pop them in i popped yeah, that game fun. in last weekend and couldn't stop playing until i mastered it like it was <laughs> that was my weekend was time spinner like um, whenever i had a free second i i did what i haven't done in the longest time i took my switch to bed with me and played it in bed and i was up <laughs> till 3 a.m on saturday night playing time spinner and i beat oh. the game and i got the ending and i'm like oh and then i'm like man there's more there's more to this and you had to go again and again and it was like crazy man so crazy <laughs> and the thing is though is that like, the the upgrades are awesome you find these elemental bead upgrades because you go to an alchemist in the past and she can upgrade update your like you can use different types of things so you get like a gold ring an orb and you can get a new passive ability like a new ring and you can pick what ones you want to buy so if you want to buy the one that gives you the the uh, protection or or the one that helps find <clears throat> stuff like you can read them and you can buy which ones you want and so you give her the items a little bit of cash and she makes them or actually i think she doesn't charge you money but um there's these elemental beads and you can upgrade your orbs by like six levels because your orbs will upgrade as you play with them but you can upgrade them That's faster yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but you can upgrade the orbs faster, though, with the elemental bead things. So, like, I sat there, and at the end, you get, like, a, some crazy orb thing, which I don't want to spoil it, but it's, like, it's really cool. And then I ended up having, like, five or six upgrades at the end, too. So I just upgraded the crap out of that one just to experiment with it, and it was so cool because i didn't know if like it was gonna pull one of those oh well, you have to get this one thing all the way upgraded in order to like beat the end boss or yeah. the, the final end boss that. it did not do that so i was like because i was working on maxing out that iron ability it was at level like 40 or something by the wow. time i was by the time i got to the end boss and i just like because it was so far leveled up and so powerful like that that build was like ace going through but the thing is i like the melee style if you like the different you know you want to sit back and and hit things from a distance you can do that with this game like you can there's so many different pieces so many different ways you can play it um <laughs> i just think it's hilarious at the end like you know you're you're this you know big like important person and you still go back to the character at the beginning you're like stop being such an asshole <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh. I was like, it was just so out of character for the, for the first ending that I saw. And I was like, oh, that's so funny that you said it could be in a shithead or it could be in an asshole to the character. Because there's like, you know, at the very beginning of the game, you have this other character that's that's mad that you're that you were chosen as the time spinner and is being like a little shit to you. It's like jealous. And at the end of the whole game, you're like, yeah, stop being an asshole. <laughs> like, it's so funny. You just, you just see him like you could like, there's so much emotion in the way the pixels are drawn. <laughs> it's <laughs> it cracked me up. But yeah, that's by far the game in such a short time too. And I've done this before and, and passed 
best of years where like a game near the end of the year just freaking just captures it captured and it did it's it's yep. an amazing game if it was you know longer quote unquote um it you know it, it could have been longer but then it may have been overstayed its welcome i could see something like that being a quote unquote samey if it if it overstayed its welcome but to me like the seven eight to 10 hour whatever for going 100 percent, but that was like perfect for me like perfect length when it came to how that game was ran if the developers listening or if um you know they're deciding to work on a sequel i hope that they go crazy with the sequel and take everything that people have said about it and just work it in and make a gigantic game that would be amazing Ah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. All right. Well, what do you got number, number two? two? Number two. Uh, number two is uh, almost number one. It was really close. Uh, it should come as no surprise for anyone that knows me. <laughs> um, and and it's also kind of special because it was my first uh, appearance here on the Playcast, and that is, of course, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Yep, not surprised uh, my, at all. <laughs> my, my, my favorite Zelda game of all time, Reimagined. It's just fantastic. It's yeah. fun. It's jolly. We did, we did a whole Playcast on how great it is, uh, so I'm not going to go through it all here. And just so you know, it was my yes. number three. <clears throat> oh, so you're number three. That was my number three, so absolutely. Um, we got we got a little little crossover there, but yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't need to go into this game. You, if well, you know Zelda, you know you know everything. If you've listened to us, you know what we feel. This this game is just amazing. it's awesome. It's amazing. It is absolutely worth playing, and it is my number two. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, is like it's the perfect way that Nintendo would reimagine and re-release a game. Like it's just it takes an original Game Boy style game throws a slaps on a fresh coat of paint in an artistic style, which this time looks like toys, um, yep. but maintains all the gameplay mechanics, modernizes some aspects and just like knocks it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, geez. Yeah. So what was your number two? So my number two, who number <coughs> two works for, um, is an interesting one. Um, I chose bloodstained curse of the moon. Mm. Curse of the Moon. Curse of the Moon, okay. So, to me, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is the spiritual successor to Castlevania III Dracula's Curse. Um, modernizes the formula because it keeps it in an 8-bit aesthetic. And this was a bonus game that Igarashi had as a stretch goal that was just like, oh yeah, bonus retro game. Like, yeah, no big deal. They released it, and I'm like, this is like one of the best retro-inspired games I've ever played. Like, it's so good. And where they modernize things is like in Dracula's Curse, you have to find the characters and choose who you want to keep with you in your party. Whereas in Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, you meet characters after after levels and you can swap with them on the fly. Um, if you're a masochist, you can kill them and steal their power, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And so like there's multiple ways to play, multiple endings. The boss fights are ridiculous. Um, I feel like the difficulty on normal or easy or whatever is very fair, um, especially if you have any kind of retro style NES skills. It's super like approachable. Uh, you want to play it in the hardest versions, then yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna frustrate some some uh, beginners. But it is 
really awesome NES style. Limited Run Games did that amazing NES Konami style with Tom Dubois, who did the original artwork for Castlevania and Contra on the NES, did that box. Like, you're talking about a, like, amazing where Limited Run Games goes above and beyond. And, like, only, I would say, 10% know exactly how far down the rabbit hole they go with the releases. Like, that yeah. is an example of the care and love that they do with limited releases. And I played Master and Beat that game when I got it digitally being a <coughs> Kickstarter backer before they released it. And so, like, I'm just, like, looking back and I'm like, oh, my God, that game is so good. Um, I made Perler you know, figures of it, of the, of that game. That's with my collection for my bloodstained nice. releases. Like it is such a great game. Definitely worthy of a number two, not quite on the engagement level of a time spinner, but like still an amazing game in its own right. Yeah. I, I, I love that game too. It's not on my list, but I do yeah. enjoy that game. I did get it as a backer and I, I did play it and I really enjoyed it. And I got so that. Good. The physical, of course. And I mean, I am a tried and true like NES head. Like I, that was my first system that came to mind as a gamer. Like I had an Atari before, but that's like was my bread and <clears> butter. <throat> and I like evolved with the Super Nintendo and the 64 and everything. But like mm-hmm. that was my my entry. So when something like Bloodstained Curse of the Moon comes in and it just like perfectly captures what it was to be an NES gamer back in the day, like that's. That draws me in, and it's just, it's something that would connect with me because of my experiences, right? But that's literally it. Yeah, no, that's that is a great game, <clears throat> and uh, I did not expect that to be your number two, so that was cool. <laughs> I told you, man. I, I alluded to it last surprises. week. I'm I'm weird. I'm not going to choose your your typical uh, games. Now I'm curious if you if you could fake my number three. Oh, um, no. But my number three. Um, is uh is not my favorite game in this series hmm. but it is the only game in the series on the switch and it is the best version of this particular game and that is tales of vesperia definitive edition Ooh, that was released in 2019 <clears throat> yep early january wow. early early 2019 it came out um and it's one of those that if if you haven't played a tales of game they're probably the third biggest jrpg series at this time yeah it is uh, a ton of fun it's action oriented uh, in the combats it is just i love i love every tales game um i really haven't played a bad one even the the lower tier ones i still enjoy yeah. and this is this is one of what they call the the um like the triforce or the holy trinity in a sense which is tales of Vesperia, tales of the abyss and tales of symphonia Symphony, which most people yep. will find one of those three as their top and usually in that top three and in some order yeah um and and this game is just just fantastic if you haven't played it um get this version it has all the content from japan that we didn't get over here including an extra oh. character with patty it's got extra, uh, you can get flynn as well which which was a real oh when you couldn't get him in your party um, in the original game on, on the 360, but yeah, if you yeah. if you like JRPGs and you play Dragon Quest XI and you're like, well, I need something else, um, do yourself a favor and get this. The music is great. Um, I like how just, you mentioned uh, the 360 because that's the version I have yep. of the game. And yep. you know, speaking <clears throat> of Jay Pizzle, JP, um, I got the collector's edition without the game from him. So <laughs> like the, I the steel book collector's well, edition without I, the game. I have like a box. 
Like oh it's a, oh oh the, oh the box of the Switch version. Yeah, with the steel book in it. Yeah, I yeah, have okay. the box, but I don't have the game. So like because I because the game didn't come in a box. Yeah, so like I got that from JP, but I don't have the game yet. But I loved <laughs> it on the 360. Never beat it. Only played maybe ten hours in it. But yeah, the the Switch has the added content that they put in the PS3 version that, they, that we never thought was coming here. Now in it, fact, I now was it makes waiting. Me feel like I don't want to play it on the 360 or finish it. Well, on see, the PS3 I was waiting for over. the PS3 version to come ah. over because I was. I mean, it never did, and so I played the 360 version, and I beat it on the 360, and I loved it. And then I was like, when when it was E3 of, of last year, and it was the Xbox presentation, and suddenly I was like looking down, taking some notes, and I heard a ring a bell start playing, and I looked Uh-oh. up. I'm like, no. No way. And sure enough, there's Tales of Vesperia. And I'm like, are you serious? And then it was, of course, announced for all systems. I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank God that this is great. Now, you know, and I got to revisit it with the new scenes. And it, it is a good game. It's not not my top uh, Tales of. That's personally of The Abyss, which is on the 3DS and the PS2. But uh, yeah, Vesperia is a fantastic game. And I highly recommend it. I want to say I've never played Abyss. Of course, I've played Symphonia. Um, but like, yeah, I don't think I've played Abyss, but I, oh, I so love good. the Tales series. The whole series itself is is great. So, I mean, absolutely a game that's on my to-buy list, like individually. I'm just waiting for a sale for it because I have the collector's edition already somehow. <laughs> Classic Jay Pizzle. Like, doing his stuff. His stuff is so, crazy. So, I guess you go with number four, then? Yeah, I gotta switch over. Ha, pun intended. Because uh, my number three was Link's Awakening. Um, so, number four for me was one that was released in 2019, and I didn't realize it was. Because um, it was released in January. And that would be Celeste. Ah. Yeah, so Celeste was just a game that I played, you know, digitally. I got it digitally before it was announced for a physical um and it just drew me in it was to the point where celeste is included in my hidden gaming gems book um it was it was included in there it actually has its own artwork on the inside of the cover of my re-release that was released at the beginning of this year that's how i didn't realize that it was a 2019 game because i was like man that's 2019 i swear it was 2018 and it wasn't and because I released the, the Hidden Gaming Gems book at the beginning of this year, and it must have been just like barely made that that um <laughs> that that deadline to get into the book, and it was written by a, a backer. Um, but like, jeez. So yeah, the thing with Celeste is like it's one of those games where you're gonna die a lot, uh, but the platforming's so perfect. Uh, I love the idea of hitting an orb and being able to like re like so you can like zoom in the air and jump a second time and hitting the orb allows you to do it a second time, which then they create in the level based puzzles. So last was released January 25th, 2018. 2018? Yeah. 2019. 2018. 2018. Maybe. 2018. Oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, crazy, people. Um, but that game's amazing. Um <laughs> Damn. I was like, wait a second. I know that was a game of the year for some people last year. I'm going to look this up. Because yeah. you had me second guessing with Tales of Asperia, and that came out January 11th <laughs> of this year. So, like, really, really close, but it, it was this year. So but no, I, Celeste I was you, last I've year. Been, I've been writing too much recently. Let me see where I was looking at. I, I literally <laughs> looked it up, and I'm like, man, that's like January 2019, right? Yep, January 25th, 2018. I'm awesome. Um,. <laughs> So I do have a, a few um, honorable mentions. Dragon Quest Eleven uh, was in there for me, um, and also <laughs> Luigi's Mansion Three, which we just did an episode on. So 
Luigi Mansion 3 is in there too, so that would be another backup for me. Celeste, so uh, as everybody knows, I'm crazy sometimes. That is me being <laughs> crazy. I was wondering, I was like, how in 2019 did that make my Hidden Gaming Gems book? There's like no way it made that cutoff, because I swear I like released that. But And then and little, little did I know, I was looking at the wrong year. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's never a dull moment. Oh, so. it, it never is. <laughs> Well, I'll go with my number four yeah, while you do that, four? since you already kind of mentioned it. Uh, and that is uh, another episode of the Playcast that, that we did together. And that is, of course, Luigi's Mansion 3. Amazing. Um, amazing game. Uh, it is just, if you like the first one, uh, you'll love this. If you enjoyed the second one, you'll enjoy this. There's, it's like the best of both worlds, in my opinion. And it is my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot to do, a lot of crazy characters, a lot of exploration. I wish the rewards were a little better, but... You know, beggars can't be choosers, and I'm just yeah. happy we got Luigi's Mansion again, and it looks fantastic. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go into the full detail because we have a whole episode, and you should listen to that if you haven't already. And if you have already, you know sure. why I love this. But yeah, that that is my number four, Luigi's Mansion three. Yeah, it's awesome. that didn't quite jump up into mine. You know, Celeste was so good in 2019. But um, <laughs> <laughs> however, um, I I still haven't beaten the the hillbilly basement dwelling. Uh, ghost boss yet, oh you so. haven't gone back I, yet. I haven't i haven't played it all i got sucked into time spinner nah. <laughs> unfortunately but you um, lost time, time unfortunately spinner. i lost all my time um but yeah so what was that, your number five then so my number five um was legend of zelda breath of the wild from 2019 no <laughs> 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 that'd have been number one um <laughs> No, my my number five was one that we did for the playcast, uh, Super Mario Maker 2. And with the newest update, they brought in Link, so you can do Link from Legend of Zelda, which should be going, which should be live by now, that yeah, update. It is live. Uh, I have not jumped into it yet, but that just adds to it that they're going to continually update the game, which is amazing to me. Um, I love mario brothers like mario 3 was my bread and butter it's like my my top three of all time for sure video games of all time mario brothers 3 and just being able to like create your own levels the fact that nintendo put out a whole story mode that with their you know created levels feels like another mario game which is amazing um and then going through and playing it on easy online people because even if you play medium it's still troll levels uh <laughs> crazy like i'm i don't know if i'm just not good at mario anymore but like even because there's like easy medium hard and like expert or something like that i don't know if those aren't the names of the difficulties but like if i play it beyond easy it's like i'm dying a lot in the endless run of mario online so but if i play it in easy it's like normal mario difficulty like just satisfying to play levels that are creative and seeing the creativity that people have posted um seeing the engagement of listeners from the switch mania playcast continually play the um the switch mania levels that that i created and trying to one-up each other on the fastest time there's still people playing and i uploaded another level just just because people were requesting it so much on social media um that has been the coolest thing of Super Mario Maker 2 is like the community engagement piece. Um, and, you know, doing that for the playcast and watching people go crazy and obsess. And now, granted, I have not went back to it as much as I would like to. Um, and I do feel like it's more of a pick up and play for me personally, uh, where like I'll fire it up and play it for an hour or two. 
right? It's not like a, I'm going to play it for 20 hours, 100 hours. But it's still so fun every time I do it. It is. I love doing the story. I played the story, and I, you know, I created some levels. I played some levels, and it is. It's one of those games that I'll, I could just pick up and play anytime. I'm just feeling I need some 2D Mario, and I'm love that they're adding to it. And it's it's an honorable mention for me. And and it's one of those things where, like, looking back, I was like, oh my god, that was 2019 too. Like, what a year. Yeah. Um. And and it's just. <laughs> It's just not in my top five. Um, yeah, but it's it is absolutely worth playing for sure. Yeah, and I mean it's just the gift that keeps on giving. It's just like the other, the other games that have been released throughout the the history of the Switch so far. Like even Mario Kart Eight, like so freaking good. And it's just like man, that was released. That's like a a top of all time game, like the best in the yep. series. Because I just rewrote another paragraph for that one. It's like man. So what's your number five? Uh, brief. I'm just going to mention just my honorable mentions briefly, just just to show how packed this year. Yoshi's yeah. Crafted World was fantastic. Pokemon Sword and Shield is in my honorable mentions. Fire Emblem Three Houses and Demon X Machina, uh, all fantastic games. All yeah. games I truly love, and they just didn't didn't crack the top five for me. Um, uh, yeah, my there number, was there was a bunch, man. There's a bunch. There's my a bunch. my number five has to be Astral Chain. Astral Plot Chain. Um, did an amazing job with this. It's brand new IP now, you know, from Nintendo. Yeah. The the graphics are fantastic. The story is good. The characters are are well developed. The the music is phenomenal. Uh, the, the the action is great. And the only the only negative I have to the game is really the the final chapter, which which I didn't complete, like the very very end, the post game stuff, because it really just it was monotonous. It's like seventy two missions of just go in kill all the enemies leave and i was just you know, I, don't, I don't need to do this like i did the story but but it like the like there's a lot of exploration in this game a lot of people don't realize there's like the the crime work and you, you you're a police officer and then you have the weird world you go into to this alternate world and you have a bunch of platforming and it's a platforming game where you can't jump which is really interesting but they make it work um <laughs> the action is awesome the like i said it's just the, the story gets better as it goes on there's even some stealth sections and i hate stealth sections these are forgiving stealth sections and i didn't mind them in this game so yeah. it, it's not enough to beat the other four games on my list but it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already i would i would absolutely say this is probably my triple a title uh for the game of the year that i haven't played yet like i don't i did i never i haven't bought it yet since you know it was a full price release yes and i procrastinate just like damon x machina procrastinated Another both great both of those games are on my like to buy list and i have like jp was jokingly asking me like oh what games are you looking for and i sent him my list it's like 150 180 games or something that are just like <laughs> the ones i need to buy but those are in there and those games like undoubtedly will see a, a little bit of a discount uh going forward whether that be used at gamestop or new and the thing is i'm gonna pick them up and I've been looking forward to, to Astral Chain the most because it's it's right up my alley, pun intended. And I absolutely want to play it. It would if we're talking about the games we needed to play this year, that would have been my number two. Um, there is a number <laughs> one that we'll talk about later. Uh, but um, yeah, Astral Chain just looks so cool. It's you know platinum style, platinum game style, like Bayonetta style games, and it just looks amazing. 
Awesome. All right. Awesome now choice. The underrated ones. These, this is really interesting here because those yeah. those ones I think most people can predict. Time Splitter and Bloodstained, I think, from you are, are two that were, wouldn't be picked. <laughs> but but everything else on Celeste, of course, I don't think anyone would have well, picked that one. And the, and, the, <laughs> and the reason why nobody would pick Celeste from 2019. Um, <laughs> but like – the thing is, is that I'm a retro gamer at heart, so of course I'm gonna move toward the retro. And like, the well, Time Spinner was so new, um, plus it was released prior digitally and all that. So like, we're a lot. Of, it it just shows you that there's so many great games out there that they're not getting enough coverage. Where like, for being a retro gamer, those games like take the cake for me. They're awesome, and like. They make, like, the Switch be one of my favorite consoles of all time. That kind of stuff is why I'm doing a Switch book before I release all of my retro books that I'm doing for the complete gen. I've been writing the complete Genesis for two years, but, like, the Switch book just went right in front of it because I'm obsessed with the system. Like, it's just, it became my favorite immediately, and it's just spitballed out of control to the point where we're getting games from every generation. It just, it goes to show, it's like, we didn't even pick any re-releases or remasters, really. Uh, besides for Vesperia and Zelda, um, so all your choices, but no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but you had Zelda two. Zelda two? No, I had Zelda no, four. You had Zelda four. <laughs> but no, I. I mean, and that's the thing is that like, and technically Dragon Quest. <laughs> yeah. It, so. Well. Well, no. In other words, I'm crazy. People, where they're all reimagining they, 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 and reimagining. They, they can they consider Dragon Quest Eleven as a, as a new game because I really had to rebuild it from the ground up, and there's a bunch of added did. content. They Plus, did. you know, just that just came out too, so it's I don't really count that as a remaster. You know, mm-hmm. really remaster. It's yeah, it's just a late port kind of it's deal. A, a late port, but um, that's the thing about the Switch though is that you get everything. You get yeah. new stuff. You get old stuff. You get AAA stuff. You get indie stuff. Um. I'm seeing my buddies that release games on the Genesis and on the NES see releases now with um, with stuff like, uh, what was the one that was just released? Haunted Halloween 86, yeah. which is a direct NES port that's on the eShop right now. Um, stuff like Coffee Crisis by Mega Cat Studios, um, which was a Genesis one, but they put bells and whistles to do an indie release on the Switch. Just, and that's seen a physical release, which I'm not sure if it's shipped yet. I think it may have, but it's on PlayAsia. I think it's Europe only, right? It's, yeah, but it's, I think I there's a copy on PlayAsia, and I think it's European release, though. But yeah. um, I, I pre-ordered mine on, on PlayAsia. I'm holding off seeing if there's going to be an American release. I've been burned too many times by JP's posts. Uh, and that's the thing, but I like me knowing James, who owns Mega Cat Studios. Like I've shared tables with him at conventions. Like I will support those guys because they're literally doing it like me on the side. They do VR development, a bunch of crazy stuff full time, but they do the 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 gaming, the retro gaming on the side. And the fact that they're on the Switch now and able to, you know actually make some money doing it because they you don't make money doing retro game releases. I'll tell you that. No. <laughs> um, it's really cool to see him finally getting some, you know, some ex- some exposure and make some headway. Because I guarantee you the Switch version of Coffee Crisis outsold every other version combined. Guaranteed. That is a ongoing thing we've seen from indie developers that I've um, interviewed for the cast and that I've interviewed for the book is that the Switch versions are outselling every other version. It's just crazy. It is. But so since I started the other one, why don't you start your underrated? All right. It's only fair. Yeah, so a lot of these underrated, I haven't played a ton um, because they're underrated. 
and they haven't been a, a playcast. But um, one that I played a ton of uh, that I want to talk about is Momodora. Did you play uh, any Momodora? I did not play any Momodora. Yeah, so I Mo- haven't. I haven't played. Momodora is a really cool one. Do you remember who uh, released that one? The Limited Run, and there's a Best Buy version as well. Yeah, so Limited Run did it. <coughs> um, really cool Metroidvania-style game with retro graphics. You know, right up my alley, pun intended. But what I liked was, um, number one, it had like a a calming factor to it when you're playing the game. Like, it's just relaxing, little, like backgrounds with the uh the trees we get like a beeping in the background right now and i hear a truck is backing up yeah they do that all the time out here they don't care if people record um the craziest thing though is when you're playing it is that you again you procedurally upgrade your um your powers but when you fight the like the bosses they're like full screen anime girls with creepy mouths and when you hit them their boobs jiggle like (laughs) just really odd but it's so cool and i just enjoyed playing it so far um definitely want to go back but the funny thing was i was playing it like an action platformer like i was playing a a linear game i didn't realize then later I'm, i'm just going through it playing through levels and then all of a sudden i'm like oh i can go all the way back to the beginning and i was like like playing through just like plowing through the game and so now i can actually when i go back through i'm gonna like probably get lost because <laughs> i'm just gonna wander around and just upgrade and it's such a really cool game though and i definitely can't recommend it enough that's awesome yeah it's definitely one of those uh one of those games that i think flew under the radar for a lot of people yeah now, before I say any amount of rate, I have to check to make sure it wasn't released in 2018. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe this one came out this year. It did. It, 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 it. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so for mine, these are not necessarily in an order like the others where like I feel one is better than the other. But my I put them more in an order of, I think, public knowledge. So like as I go down the list, more and more people listening might be, oh, I know that game, but I, I think the general populace isn't fully aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my number one, or at least in, in this order of, of games for the underrated, uh, is Will, A Wonderful World. Nice. Um, I've talked about this before on the, on the Playcast. It is just one of those games that I wasn't sure what I was getting into. It was an in-between time between major releases, and I just wanted something uh, small and quick and something like just to pop in and, and I just got received it and I read the back of the box and I said this sounds kind of interesting and I played it and I fell in love instantly with it in fact I bought it a second time with the collector's edition with the big you know the stuffed uh, willy and yeah it is it's pretty much a game where you play god or a god and you listen to people's prayers and because when people usually pray to a god it's usually because bad things are happening and they're praying for good things to resolve from it so you you get to read their prayers in letter form and of course every prayer goes bad every every story ends horrifically but there's prayers always come in twos there's usually two different people or or animals that will pray to you and they're completely different places in the world and they may even be different times in the world but you get them two or more at a time and you actually get to read both stories and then pick some things out of one story and swap it with the other story and change events and then see how it plays out. And it's not just one event 
is going to be the best. Like, it's not like, oh, this is how it's going to be. There's S ranks, there's A ranks, there's B ranks, there's, there's bad endings. Um, things don't go your way. Certain endings are needed to to get new prayers, and there's different paths. So you may have to change some prayers around to get different endings, to get different prayers to come because of the consequences. So it's almost like a tree system. Um, there's a cast, a huge cast. I think it's like 11 different people will pray to you. Um, it has an overarching story on top of just answering prayers. Um, and the, the prayers that you answer from the people do interact with the overarching story, which I'm not going to spoil. It is one of those games that you can just literally pick up and play for five to 10 minutes at a time, or you could put hours into it. Um, if you don't like reading, you're going to hate this because it's not verbally, nothing's verbal. It's there's music playing, but you have to read everything, but the stories are really gripping and really engaging. And I, I honestly can't recommend this enough if that sounds interesting to you in any way. Good recommendation right there. Cool, man. Um, so so my next underrated one, uh, I had to look up the date. <laughs> <laughs> Double checking yourself now. It was released digitally in 2018, but physically in 2019. So, okay. um, And it's another one that falls into that realm of I need to play it more. Um, haven't really only played it like for an hour or something. It's uh, the Iconoclasts. So the Iconoclasts was released by Limited Run Games. Uh, physically, it was released in March of 2019, but it was released in like January 2018 digitally. Wow. Yeah. So took over a year to get it. It had that crazy retro style limited release, which I love. Um, like Super Nintendo box looking thing. Um, really cool game. Again, though, I think I'm just going toward Metroidvanias because that's a Metroidvania-style <laughs> action platformer, action-adventure platformer. That's literally what a Metroidvania is, action-adventure platformer. Um, but, again, this one, like, I know it goes super deep. I've only played as the first character, but, like, if the artwork on the box is anything, there's I, there's a whole big cast of characters, right? So, like, it just looks super cool, and the art style reminds me of, like, Mega Man, uh, but more in a more, like, brighter-looking style game. I don't know. It just, it looks amazing. All the artwork, the enemy drawings just look amazing. Giant bosses with, like, skulls, but they're still, like, bright colors. Um, it, it pops, and I want to definitely, this would be one that I would nominate for a... 2020 uh switch mania playcast episode like for sure absolutely just looks cool looks super <laughs> cool um i know that one also got a best buy release right uh yes i believe that one did yeah get a best i like i like when jp writes that oh they might get a best Buy release you know they can they could say no at any time and i used like i i always post the meme of dr evil going quotation fingers like won't get it right like come on now i mean as we said uh last episode limited run games is in like walmart now with certain games they're gonna be they're big enough to where best buy will pick the pick up their releases absolutely and and the thing is is that there's an inconsistency when it comes to a lot of the limited publishers of quality of games. It's why I don't have every single game by every single release because some of the companies just are put picking up the games that they could get a license for. Um, but like limited run games is like an awesome track record. Every one of their games is like the top tier from that genre. Um, there's certain games I'm not buying because I'm not a fan of that genre, but it's still like one of the top games of that genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of like it's it's just like they are, and and they're at the point now where you know people are going to them obviously to to publish. 
So yep. it's they can pick and choose, and and they're awesome. If they could release everything physically, I know they would because they're all about preservation. But um, but it's the track record, right? So anything limited run games is putting out like a lot of people are digging, which is why they're so popular. Exactly. Yep. What do you got for number number two? Number two, number two is a game I actually just finished very recently, uh, and that is AI: The Summoning Files. Ooh. This is a game that came out from Spike Chunsoft, the, in the makers of the Zero Escape and the Duncan Rapa series. Um, it is a visual novel um, type series, but he, they always have twists. This, they love twists. These creators and Zero Escape is some of my favorite titles out there just period like just i love those games so i was really anticipating this and i didn't get around to playing it until the holidays and it's a little bit different and it's it's a it's kind of like a first person but it's like static image kind of deal you can move around and you have a cursor and you could click on things and talk to people and ask and it, it won't let you move on until you've exhausted your options or you've gotten the correct tree so you can't you can't really worry about missing things but the really cool thing is it's a murder mystery and you are a cop and there's a murder right in the beginning of the game and you got to figure out the killer so as you start going down this quote-unquote rabbit hole um it branches in, in a standard tree fashion with a bunch of different choices and the, the way you get those choices is comes from the namesake of the game the somnium files is as a cop you're part of like the special agency and if you're interrogating somebody and they're like, I'm not going to tell you anything, you you can, of course, I'm sure it's legal, but they do it anyways, you know, seduce the person and and, and, and sedate them uh, either way and get them into like a chair into this machine where you can actually go into their dream state. And you have six minutes in the dream state. And this is actually not a click thing. This is you are running around um, interacting with their dream. And every action you do takes time from that six-minute time limit. And if you run out of time, you have to restart or retry from a previous uh, checkpoint. Nice. Um, but but you have these little um, power-ups. So, like, say you find um, a book. You could read the book, and it'll take 20 seconds, or you can rip the book, and it'll take 10 seconds. But if you, if you read the book for 20 seconds, you may get uh, a half power-up. And that means you can use it on any other action. So if another action takes 60 seconds, you can use that. Now it only takes 30 seconds. Or you can get one-third or one-fourth or even ones that like will put the time to one. So if this is going to take 999 seconds, and yes, there are some like that, uh, you can just knock it right down to one. So there's a puzzle element uh, on how to use your abilities. And, and of course, there's some negative ones too, times two, times three, even at times 10. And if you get a punishment like that, you have to use it. So sometimes you may have to click on something you may not want to do just to burn through that time. So you have to play and choose. And the idea is to get through mental locks. Like, like most people, you have mental locks. You have things that are blocking you. So you have to figure out the truth. And there are, there are different paths inside these somniums, inside these dreams, um, depending on what you do. Uh, has a real world effect on the people you're interacting with, which is really cool. And you're trying to find the murder mystery, and it it gets to this conspiracy. There's, you know, maybe someone else gets murdered. Um, the whole nine yards, and and it has a twist, like most Spike Chunsoft type games. And there's a twist. Um, an M Night Shyamalan, yeah, even better. Um, it's a really worthwhile twist, and it's one of those that the more you get into it, the better the game gets. Um, I don't really want to say more without spoiling it. I really love this game. Um, the characters are great. The interaction is great. The music is great. The 
the just the banter is great and it is typical japanese pervy um you will <laughs> definitely have some pervy like one ending like there's multiple endings too like one of them you can literally run away with a receptionist who has giant boobs and make sure to point that out that she is large breasted and just run away and say screw the case and just run away with her um <laughs> <laughs> like like that's it the case goes unsolved you're living you know your own little life with this receptionist so it, it's really funny they let you do things like that mm-hmm. um of course that's the end of the game you just re- restart uh from a, and it, and it has, because it has a tree you don't have to worry like oh if i make this decision 10 hours into the game do i have to go back and play through 10 hours no you could just jump to any point in any chapter on the tree at Anytime you want, free jump. So it's very, very convenient and a lot of fun, and worth it going down this particular rabbit hole to get the true conclusion. Amazing. Yeah, and I will say you will not see you will not see the killer coming. Nice. Great. So, what about your number three? So my number three, um, again, had to look it up because of you. Um, <laughs> now, um, it's a uh, fox and forests. So we did it as an episode, um, again, released in 2018, but physically released in March uh, of 2019. Um, Amazing game. I actually interviewed the developers of the game, so it even got me more invested in it. And it just shows me how underrated the game was of the years. Like, it got glowing reviews, but, like, nobody's really still talking about the game, which is crazy to me. And it's just such a good action platformer. Um, not a Metroidvania in the traditional <laughs> Surprise. sense. Whoa! Still pixelated, though, because that's, that's my <laughs> style. I love that kind of style, though. That's just mine. I do like 3D games, too, people. But um, um, that's the thing is, like, it, the game is just so well put together. The different abilities you have, the differences between melee and, and ranged attacks, the platforming uh, and controls are spot on, the difficulty is fair, the boss fights are... Are pretty fun, uh, a little bit monotonous, but but fun. Um, and then the you know the the passion of the developers behind it just go to make like a, a great game. Um, honestly, like if it was released solely in 2019, it may have been in my top five, and probably would scoot in there since you know Celeste wasn't part of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's definitely in there then, you know, since Celeste doesn't count. Damn it, Barry. Um, <laughs> But yeah, hey, and if we, I didn't we call you to, out on it, someone else would have. Well, exactly. Um, so my thing is, is that um, so we did an episode on this. So there's a whole episode of us talking about Fox and Forests. Uh, JP and I did a long time ago. So uh, what is your next one? And I'm going to uh, disappear for a minute. But what is your next uh, next uh, game? You're gonna disappear for a minute. Yeah, I want to know what it is. Bye. I'm not even gonna listen. She, she, oh no, I'm, I'm, I want to hear what it is, and then I'll let you. Uh, Lay the wallpaper and I'll come back. There's love you get. You see this kind of treatment. Eyeballs um, are so, uh, eyeballs are sweating right now. So, <laughs> uh, my uh, my number three uh, in this particular list would go to uh, Steins Gate Elite, Ooh. which is a which is a, a remake of the uh, original Steins Gate, which was a PS3 Vita release. Um, but they remade it in the sense of. It no longer is like static images. The entire thing is animated. It is literally watching an anime. And in terms of gameplay, there's very little in this game. And I will say that. And and it is, you have some choices. There are definitely those choose your own adventure style things. But they, they come pretty much in forms of you get text messages from different characters. And the way you re- interact with them and, and, and answer them leads to different paths. And that is 
that is it. Everything else you could put on auto and you could just sit back and watch for the most part. Um, that's not to say there's not different endings and different paths because there absolutely is. Um, and I will say this. In all truth and honesty, the first three chapters of this game are kind of brutal. They are kind of boring. They're slog a little bit, and they definitely take a little longer than expected. And I think, if I remember correctly, there's like nine chapters. However, and I will say I was so close to putting down this game within those first three chapters. And people said, oh, you got to play this. If you like visual novels, you got to play this game. You, you have to do Steins Gate. So I struggled through it. I struggled through it. I went through in chapter four. It started to pick up, and the things in the first three chapters started to make sense. And by chapter six, I couldn't wait to see the next thing going on. It gets insane, and it gets really good. And it got to the point that I bought like the anime, I got the the movie, I got there's a Steins Gate Zero, which I have, and I have yet to play. I'm waiting. I'm hoping for a Steins Gate Zero Elite on the Switch to play through that. But um, if you like visual novels, if you like things like Back to the Future, you know, crazy uh, antics um, with, with time travel and stuff like that, you will absolutely enjoy this story. Just do yourself a favor and, and get through the first three chapters. Who knows? You may find those exciting as well. Um, but just definitely get through that slow burn start because it is worth the payoff in the end. And, and I am back. Um, Steins Gate, though, is definitely on my list of, of games to buy. Um, haven't bought it yet, but it is, it is on my list because it just looks amazing. looks like a classic, like, Famicom style <laughs> the detective well, game. Well, well, yeah, in a way it is. And it yeah, actually, like if you tribute. buy the physical, it comes with an NES version of Steins Gate. It That's comes with a digital digital version amazing. that that is, that is and it's 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 like old school like you have one run and go and obviously it's super simplified but I will say this if you get the game physically and you're like oh I love NES games um I I totally want to play that first don't do not touch that game until you truly beat Steins Gate Elite okay because you will go into it and nothing will make sense <laughs> and you could you could actually possibly spoil yourself because they everything's truncated because it's NES style yeah it's, it's like I never saw who framed Roger Rabbit the movie but I played the NES game no like that's not how you experience roger rabbit you watch the movie um so it's the same kind of deal here um it's so, it's so a if sub- you buy it physically right now you'll still get the 8-bit version because i know it was I a believe, pre-order bonus I, I believe it there's a card that came in okay the case with it so, I'm, so, I'm so be wary if you're going to collect this game that maybe it will be released later without it um I mean, it's Play Asia, so they probably made so many it's that not Play Asia. yeah, got a U.S. release. No, I'm saying there's a Play Asia release. Oh, is there? Uh, I, I got mm-hmm. the U.S. release. Yeah, there's a, there's a pre-order bonus, so maybe the U.S. release it wasn't a pre-order bonus. Let's hope. Yeah, um, it was in the case. Yeah. So, um, my number four, um, River City Girls. I figured that was on your list. Yeah, and it's just basically, you know, River City Girls is the, you know, it's a beat 'em up and spiritual successor to River City Ransom on the NES with all the fanfare of the classic beat 'em ups of Technos back in the day. Uh, you got a lot of Double Dragon 2 references, which I, I love. Uh, you even got a flying knee as an ability. And I was able to play this with my daughter for a while. We still haven't went back to it since we talked about it on the Playcast. But um, it's still like a really fun game. Um, you can level up throughout it, which is great. Uh, and I definitely recommend it. 
that's awesome yeah it's it's one of those that i i hope to get around to but mm-hmm. too many games <laughs> i mean we can make it a play as episode in the future um <laughs> we, we, we could after the ai will and steinsgate episode <laughs> well well there, there's that too and there's so many that's the thing that people like we need to realize there's so many games out there that we all want to play like that's what the playcast exists and it's like there's still not even enough time <laughs> all right my number four um, it's close to one of yours. Um, it's Bloodstained, but nice. it's Ritual of the Night. Yeah, Not Curse of the Moon. Ritual of the Night was... And, and I put this lower in the list because I, I know more people know about this game, but I don't think a lot of people really do. And I like you, I love Symphony of Night. I love Super Metroid. I love Metroidvania games. Um, the, the DS and the GBA, Castlevanias, and all the Metroids, I love them all. So when this came out, you know, I pre-ordered, you know, I backed it and everything, and I couldn't wait to get it, and I, I busted into it. And even though the Switch version, especially at launch, had some problems, I didn't care. I beat it on the Switch. I was like, no, I'm, I'm playing this game. Nice. And I had such a blast in this game. Like this, this at one point was even a contender for my game of the year. Like I just wow. had such a blast. It, it brought me back. It, you know, I love, I love the exploration that that's taken from symphony of the night style with the castle, but it also has the, um, the spirit system from Aria and Dawn of sorrow, which are my favorite Metroidvania from the Castlevania side. I like them more than, so it was like a mix of both worlds with the familiars from symphony. I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. I absolutely love it. The story was cool. Um, I, you know, loved how it had the typical, Castlevania hidden boss where you can keep going. You know, you get the fake, the bad ending, and then you can keep going if you do yeah. the right thing. Oh yeah. Um, it it got challenging, especially those later areas. The one area where like everything is huge and you're tiny, and and the little ice cavern at the end, and farming some of those spirits took a while to power up, but it was worth it. And I've heard that it's it's gimped a little bit now, in, in the sense that I used the familiar, the uh, painting familiar spell all the time. I love that. I love anything that puts a shield around you. And I heard they lessen the amount of paintings that now fly around, um, wow. which kind of saddens because that was my number one uh, method of doing things. But it's like I, it's, I beat the game at that point, so it's okay. Although, like the the voice acting when you summon things starts to get a little grating, especially like there where I constantly did it. My wife would just walk around saying it just to tease me about it. Um, but. Uh, I was like, myself in my shadow every time she summons. And my wife would literally just start walking because anytime I was playing that in the living room, that's all she would hear. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah. It was, you know. So my only thing with, with uh, that game, Ritual of the Night, is that they went with the, to me, the PSP Chronicles style art. You know what I mean? Like Castlevania Dracula's Chronicles, where it's like the 2.5D where like that's where time spinner got me is like that's the art from like symphony of the night like and so that was my only thing but the game itself is amazing the the gameplay is awesome i've seen a lot of critical reviews of the game recently there's like an hour-long diatribe on ritual of the night and how how it it didn't quite connect with the person but they took an hour of edited material (laughs) to to talk about it so it just shows you how great it is this, this is also where the disclaimer I said in the beginning, everybody's going to feel differently. Yeah. And somebody maybe didn't connect with them, it connected with me. And you know what? I love I love these graphics. In fact, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoy these graphics more than 8-Bit. 
um, even though I did grow up like you with the with the NES and, and even the Atari and Commodore before that. It's like but pixelated I just, versus. I like that though. I like it. It just it, it just resonated with me. I like them both, but it, it it worked for me. Yeah, and I think like from the diatribe that I saw, the the main spearhead for that person was that when they upgraded the graphics from the initial trailer, because initial trailer was a little little weird looking. Yes. Um, they also brightened things, which didn't do it for that person. So like some of the the backgrounds no longer had the shadowing that he liked, and it's like, well, that's a, a small nitpick. Um, the game Very itself looks amazing, and I've played through a lot of the game so far, um, probably like five bosses in or six bosses in, um, but I haven't beaten it yet, and I'm definitely going to continue to play it because, again, I, I might like Metroidvanias a little, um, and the fact that it's created by Iga, which is also why people are critical on it because it was created by one of the you know perpetuators of the genre. Um, that's why people are critical, but I love it, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's good, it's great. Um, it it actually created you know my number two game of the year, uh, <laughs> like yes. the, the campaign. Um, but both go tandem; they're not even somewhat similar. Like they're in the same storyline. It's almost world. like one's a retell. It's like Star Fox and Star Fox sixty four. It's like a retelling of a little bit, almost because yeah. they're they're not really a sequel kind of deal. Well, I, I kind of see it as its own little, like, diatribe of, of a world. Yeah, and it, it is really cool. And, yeah, that's where I like the, um, I like it, and I definitely recommend it. And I would, we're, we're definitely going to make that a, a Playcast episode next year after I'm finally able to beat it. <laughs> we can talk <laughs> about it fully. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, what about yeah. your number five? So my number five is one I need to get to more, um, but is the Ninja Saviors game. The, the ah. re-release remaster. Um, Ninja Warriors was the original arcade, and then they released Ninja Warriors again on the Super Nintendo, and now this is like the Ninja Saviors. Um, and it's basically a another retelling of the original game <laughs> with more characters, which is what the Super Nintendo game did, because the original one had one playable ninja and then the super nintendo one had three playable ninjas and now this one has like five playable ninjas that are unlockable and you can play some multiplayer now and it's it's super fun it's just a, a great classic capcom style beat em up from the 90s and it hits all the nostalgia itches that you know that i want in a classic game um and i do think that some of the people online are talking about are just huge fanboys of the genre but i don't think the general collector population is really aware of how great this game is yeah it it definitely was on my radar so much so that i have three copies of it (laughs) there we go um is is that where you got spoiled by jp posting stuff one of them yeah see see so I, I do want to say, like, we you mentioned that, but is something to be very aware of that they are going to continually release games um, even if they've been out for, like, two years. A uh, yep. perfect example, it's not coming out of the Switch book, but there was just Blossom Tales just announced yep. as a physical release. That is on the cover of the Switch Collector, and it's a digital-only game. Um, it's not coming out of the book, but it is going to get a physical release in 2020. Um, super cool. It's great that they're doing it. I'm happy. Um, I assume you're going to put a little note in your the book, though. Oh, of course. And and there's multiple games. If it's not in people's hands, it's staying in the book until it's in people's hands. So yeah. there's like at least two games, three games out there that are going to be in the book that aren't released. A Whole New World was just removed because it's now out 
in people's yeah. hands. Um, but like, and I, I uh, messaged the publisher and said, "You guys are jerks," <laughs> but not really. You guys are doing awesome work. <laughs> but but like, it's just there's there's another there's a couple other games that they are getting physical copies of in hand, but they don't have them out yet. So it's. And they said it's not going to be out till next year. So the book, it'll stay in the Switch Collector book. But that being said, don't be mad at someone like JP who's posting about the games. No, of course when, not. Because there are, there are people that are critical, though. And don't be mad because he's he's it. posting like this Japanese release when it may get a U.S. release later. Especially if everybody sits here and buys it like you and JP posts it. And then they're like, oh, well, there's a demand. Let's release it in the States. Like we're perpetuating. The reason why it's able to be released in the States is because of the sales. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm taking that stance of I'm going to just stick with U.S. releases unless I, I guarantee no, it's not coming here, like yeah. certain square titles. And then I'm going to go back at the end and go, oh, what what English-speaking ones am I missing? And I probably can get them cheaper. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing is like a lot of these Jap- Japan-only games without English are going to be the ones that are going to be the not released here. Uh, especially if they're like musical or anime based or yeah. like they're it's a highly likelihood but not a definitive cuz we've seen not a bunch point. we've seen a bunch get released this year um yeah. so i get it all garners on sales though because if a company sees that their game is selling they're going to release it in another territory so yeah. it's that's just business man so is. what is your number so I'm going to do a quick little honorable mention briefly, just mention a few of these titles that mm-hmm. I think flew under the radar. And some of these we even did on the playcast, such as Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Oh, absolutely. The Super's Lucky Tale, uh, Collection of Mana, um, Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen, um, all fantastic games if you've got the time. My number five, however, um, is kind of paired in a sense with my number one. With, with number, my one, number one had such a long title. Um, with Dragon Quest XI S. Um, this one has an even longer title Uh-oh. to to bookend it, and that is Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> amazing. Um, amazing, amazing game, amazing, amazing title. Um, and I put this on the list just because I think a lot of people forgot about it. Um, yeah. And I, I really hope this gets a physical release, or they just didn't look this way because, like, oh, it's a rhythm game. Um, it is a rhythm game, but it's it is so much like a Zelda game in the sense that the, you could tell the developers um, love Zelda. And I they have lots absolutely- of regret with this game because we were playing a bunch of games on the Playcast when it came out, and I still haven't taken the time to get to the mechanics yet. So I haven't <laughs> played it more than like an hour, and I own it digitally. Yeah, I, this is the only game in a long time that I've actually bought digitally um, just because I love Zelda and... I had to give this some love and hope, and I will totally double dip if this gets physical, and I, I hope it does, uh, especially bundled with the original Crypt of the Necrodancer. I, I think it would just be great. Why not put two, two Crypt of the Necrodancers together? But this game is a is a rogue light. Um, I say that because you, when you die, you lose everything. You lose like, your shovel. You lose like a lot of your things you need. But you keep all the items you get in the dungeons, which are great. So you definitely have an easier time of going back and doing things. It is nice. absolutely a game that that you should play. And when it comes to the music, this game has one of the best soundtracks of the entire year, if not on the entire system. It is amazing, these remixes. You definitely need to give this a shot because if, especially if you love Zelda and you love like a link to the past, uh, Link's Awakening, like the the top down, um, 
definitely give it a shot. And if you don't like rhythm games, you can actually turn off the rhythm part of it. Um, the only thing is you have to remember that enemies move every time you do. That's the thing that you have to remember. Every time you move, an enemy will move. So you have to factor that into your your play style. But you can actually turn off the rhythm parts if that's bothering you. Nice. Nice. So um, I would say right now this is a good time for us to uh, you know, call the episode and we'll do a, um, a shorter second part to the, the week uh, because we are taking a break during the holidays. Um, so everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow me on HagensAlley.com and at HagensAlley on Facebook, the Twitter, and at HagensAlleyBooks on Instagram. What about you, Barry? You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire, on uh, YouTube, Nintendo Fuse, and Facebook, Nintendo Fuse. And I want to say briefly, um, we did have a, a quick mention on, on the Twitter um, oh, nice. from, from uh, Closable, who absolutely enjoyed us and thought we did a great job. And he actually messaged me, and we've been talking. So I love that. I love that interaction. So if you want to reach out and just want to talk games, um, I'm always available. So For just sure. send me a message. For sure. We are all obsessed. Uh, <laughs> all right so let us know if you agreed with our choices did we miss any games or um, all my we... games from 2018 <laughs> let me know <laughs> yes. and and we will definitely uh catch you next week yes have a great one